It's a little hot. Can you turn the mic down? Awesome. Awesome. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. What? That was kind of weak. Um, well, it's it's fall and and the weather's getting cold and the leaves on our oak trees are dropping and they drop a ton of leaves and uh, our heat is on. Finally, we've got a new gas furnace installed. So I'm actually kind of sweating and hot up here, um, but that's a blessing. And um, it's a blessing t- uh, to have people come and be together. Yesterday, uh, we had an outdoor work day um, where we're raking leaves and we're putting kind of, uh, what do you call it, mulch on the pathway, pathways in the garden. And um, that was cool. Um, we, you have to pray for us because our shed got broken into and uh, the uh, lawnmower uh, gas was siphoned out of it and the key is gone. So we couldn't run the lawnmower, which was going to be our MVP, you know, the goat of uh, leaf picking up. Um, so we had to do everything by hand. But thanks to uh, Maddie and Joshua were there, the Limbergs and Jimenez's and the Goddards and Kyle and Karen. And uh, so it was a really good time. Who uh, other people are there. And then thanks to the Robesons and Cabellians were there uh, to decorate all this uh, decorating um, for Christmas inside. So we had an inside and outside renovation. So thank you for all the hands that were a part of that. Um, so grateful for the church and that's what makes us the body of Christ. Um, amen. But we, like I said, we're starting a season of Advent. Um, This is the first Sunday of Advent, and as we lit the candle of hope, um, we look forward. Um, Part of our faith, the Christian faith, is that we live with hope. And when I say we live with hope, sometimes um, you can be like, or people in the world observing Christians can be like, oh, Christians are so naive. They just, they're so happy, and they're like Hallmark cards, and they hope and hope and hope, um, when all around, the reality is that the world is hurting, that the world is at war, that people are violent to one another, that nations are attacking other nations, that people are starving and hungering. So how can you say, hope, hope, hope? Isn't Jesus just a crutch? Isn't your faith just a way to avoid the realities of the world? And what we say to that, what the prophets in Scripture say to that, what Christ the Messiah says to that is, our hope is not a cheap hope or a naive hope. But it's one that's grounded in the realities of the world, but is also grounded to the reality of God and Jesus Christ. Amen? That in the end, right, all things will be restored. All things will be renewed. And that God is daily working to restore creation and to bring peace um, to humanity, um, humankind. And so we live in that tension of 
the now and not yet, right? Jesus is now and here. The kingdom of God is here and now. And yet we are still waiting for the fullness of his presence, the fullness of the kingdom to come and restore all things. Are you with me, church? Awesome. Um, I'm going to read our scripture for today. And actually, um, the Lindberghs read uh, the last part of it in the uh, candle lighting liturgy. But this is uh, our scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible Version. This is what Isaiah, Amos's son, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, Come, let's go up to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his way and he may walk in God's path. Instruction will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Come, house of Jacob, let's walk by the Lord's light. This is the word of God. Um, so the season of Advent, Advent is, comes from a Latin word which is coming, which means coming. Basically the coming of the Messiah. We anticipate the coming of the Messiah. Um, but in another sense, Jesus has already come, right? We already had the Christmas story in history. Jesus was born in a manger. He's come. And at the same time, every year as we go through the church calendar, as we go, you know, Easter to ordinary time and uh, now to Advent, we once again anticipate Jesus' birth. Like we go through those rhythms. And in that sense, you know, the church calendar or our faiths, go through seasons, uh, seasons of walking through the desert, seasons of arriving, of experiencing Christ, experiencing God like really tangibly, really fully in our lives, of then being like, oh, why is God so silent in my life? Why are all these things, why am I going through the desert? Why is it so cold? Why do I feel so estranged and lost in my life? Why can't I find my way? And so we go through those rhythms and the scriptures and the church and our community, we walk through those seasons um, and we're reminded each time, oh, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. And that's what Advent, Christ is coming. And so we live, we wait actively in hope and faith and joy and love, hope, love, joy, peace. Um, and <clears throat> so... It's that same notion of the now and not yet. We live in a world aching for Jesus to come again, right? He has come, but we're waiting for Jesus to come again. Um, and the church seasons echo our own seasons of faith as we, as well, as we live in this world. Um, we live in the reality, again, of war and fighting of nations dominating other nations. You just have to turn on 
CNN or whatever news source you listen to, and you'll see wars and the rumors of wars and the effects of those and poverty and people losing homes and refugees, um, sickness and poverty, um, racial division and strife all around us happening. So we live in a world where Jesus has come and yet um, we live in strife, right? We live in violence and it's not yet. And so we also anticipate Jesus coming again and we wait. God, make it, may your will be fulfilled. God, bring peace on earth, goodwill to people. Bring it, come Lord Jesus, come. <clears throat> and it's the same reality of Christ's birth, right? Magi from the east bringing gifts. It's a celebration. They, they don't know, you know, what they're going to, but they know they should follow this star. And they bring the richest of gifts. Uh, angels, wait, before the angels, the shepherds are coming with joy and awe to witness the arrival of the king, bringing their sheep along, going, bah, bah, following them to see this, this Jesus, this king born in the manger. And finally, the angels in the heavens are singing and declaring, peace on earth, peace on earth. The trumpets are blaring. But also, this is juxtaposed with Jesus being born in an animal trough, right? The place where cows and pigs eat. And later on, as he's an infant, his family would be on the run as political refugees because Herod would declare uh, um, the execution of all the infant babies just to get a hold of Jesus, just to protest against the prophets that the Messiah was coming and the Messiah was coming in Bethlehem. So Jesus' family was on the run to Egypt. Um, so he was born endangered, right? He was born without a home. He was born as a political refugee so in the scriptures itself, there's celebration, right? The bringing of gifts, and there's also violence. So if you're following me, church, there's this tension, right? We live in tension. We live in the tension of we believe in a God. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in hope. We believe in joy. We believe in love, and we believe in the best things about people. And at the same time, we live in the midst of witnessing around us the worst in people. And we all, you know, we've all been on Instagram or Facebook or whether it's social media during the height of COVID when you're seeing like people fighting and striving or maybe it was uh, this past Friday when you went shopping out there on Black Friday, like people wrestling and fighting and the worst parts of us coming out because we were... Um, in crisis, right? Our society was in crisis. So we live in the tension of hope and love and truth and the, all of the bad things that come up when people are people, when people are being people. We live in the now and not yet of Jesus' reign. Um, and when you open up your Bibles, to Isaiah or Amos, the prophets of the Old Testament, they're, they're the same, right? The prophets are presenting a vision of hope, 
of restoration, of the redemption of God's people, a world of peace among all people, the nations coming before God. And yet, at the same time, the prophets are saying this vision, but they're also, uh, in the next breath, proclaiming judgment against the people of God, right? You guys are living unjust lives. I don't care about your songs and your singing and your worship and your offerings to me because you're oppressing people. You're, you're living unjustly. You're stealing from the poor. And so the prophets also talk about judgment, like, oh, you're going to be overcome by a foreign nation. Right? You are going to be not hear from my word for a long time. And so, again, in the prophets, there's this presenting a vision of hope and then living in the present time of injustice, captivity, judgment, and the punishment um, that God has brought upon God's people. And so, in our passage, Isaiah is speaking a vision of hope about the great mountain of the Lord. As the Assyrians, in the context, in context, the Assyrians are slowly taking over the northern and southern kingdoms, and they'll be in captivity. The Assyrians will take over Israel, and as their impending judgment is close, it's into this that Isaiah gives a vision of hope. This is what Isaiah, Amos' son, saw, right? It's not what Isaiah said. It's Isaiah saw this. It was Isaiah's vision, a dream, visual. And so we need to look at this passage and all of its visual elements, the ways that um, metaphor and uh, images are used to elicit um, hope, elicit um, direction, elicit, you know, uh, a feeling, feelings and emotions. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. Um, many nations will go and say, come, let's go out to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we will walk in God's path. Instruction will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. So what is the mountain of God? A lot of people say it's, you know, in Jerusalem where the temple is, Zion, right? But, you know, the absurd thing is that that mountain, and actually there's greater mountain peaks around that mountain, so it's not that grand of a mountain. But the vision here is that that mountain will rise above all other mountains. The prominence of Zion, the prominence of the temple of the Lord and the mountain upon which it stands will rise above all other mountains. Furthermore, the reach is far, right? All of the nation's people will stream to it. So you get this image of rivers, like streams of waters, but they're people, not water, coming from every nation to the Lord's temple, to the mountain of the Lord, because, why? Because they want to learn his ways. They want to learn God's teaching. Yahweh, mind you. Yahweh's teachings. God's ways. That we, we want to go so that we may walk in God's paths. And instructions will come from Zion. The Lord's word from Jerusalem. As a side note, this, 
this passage in Isaiah is kind of categorized uh, under uh, Zion, you know, Zionist passages. So you'll see some in Revelation and other parts of the Bible where, you know, we're going to Zion, right? It's like this promised place in the end. Um, Specifically, it's where the temple of Jerusalem is, but it's where the people of God are kind of, you know, almost like the new promised land going to Zion, where God's word is, where God's salvation is, and we're going to Zion. So this, this image of Zion is big throughout scripture. And also, in verse 3, the Lord's word from Jerusalem, the, the, all of the nations are seeking the Lord's word. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Torah, right? Torah being not just, you know, the law as in like a rule or regulation book, but Torah being the way of life. We tend to look at law and be like, oh, that's legalism. But in this sense, Torah is a way of life as we're under covenant relationship with God. Right? It's, it's more of a relational thing. So these people are saying, let us walk in the Torah of the Lord. Right? Not just Israelites, but all people, every nation. So this vision, which I think goes throughout scripture of every tongue, tribe, and nation coming to the mountain of God to gather, to be judged, to be taught by God. And if you'll see, it says, you know, the Lord will judge, right, between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Have you ever been uh, with preschoolers where there's no adults, right? And limited resources, limited blocks, limited Hot Wheels, right? And you put a bunch of preschoolers, it's going to become chaos, right? There's going to be biting and pulling of hair and scratching and a gnashing of teeth, right? That's my toy, mine, 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 mine. You need an authority figure over the preschoolers to come and judge between the preschoolers and say, this is yours, this is your, hey, take turns. You'll get it for five minutes and you get it for the next four minutes. That's kind of what I think about when I think about God judging between the nations and settling disputes between the mighty nations. Our world is at war and fighting over resources. We're, we're pulling the hot wheels, right? We want, we want to play with the toys, right? And when there's no authority or law or judge above that all of us can turn to and say, I trust him, I trust this authority to bring order, then we're going to fight, right? We're going to be like preschoolers fighting over toys. But in the days to come, as verse uh, 2 says, God will judge between all the nations. God will be the strong presence. God will be um, the authoritative presence that will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. And the other piece that I want to bring into this is you can't have peace, right? Hope, love, joy, peace. You can't have peace without justice. You can't have peace without justice, right? So as Isaiah is bringing this vision of peace, right, of no war, peace on earth, you see God judging among the nations, right? You hear the phrase oftentimes like when people are in conflict or fighting, why can't we just all get along, right? Just Christ 
Christians, be uni- have unity, be in harmony. Well, you can't live in harmony and unity if you haven't recognized how you've hurt the other person. Amen? You cannot. And so this is what we're talking about is you can't have peace on earth unless there's justice. That there's justice. And God is the king of justice. God's justice will roll down from his mountain um, like streams of water flowing down. So you have the nations streaming to the mountains. But uh, in other parts of scripture, you have the vision of water flowing out of the temple to feed the thirsty. And that's the image I think about when I think about the people of God or the church, right? God pours good news. God pours. We're streaming to his temple and God pours into us and we can't help but then, right? The church then pours out into the world or to your places of work, your places, your homes with as like streams out to the world. And that's our call as we'll see um, at the end of this passage. Are you with me, church? So even as Isaiah is speaking a vision of hope in the great mountain of the Lord, um, it's within a context where there's judgment, right? In Isaiah, if you look in Isaiah 1, the chapter before, uh, Isaiah 1, 13 through 17, I'll just read it. Stop bringing worthless offerings. Your incense repulses me. New moon, Sabbath, and the calling of an assembly. I can't stand wickedness with celebration. I hate your new moons and your festivals. They become a burden that I'm tired of bearing. When you extend your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even when you pray for a long time, I won't listen. Your hands are stained with blood. Wash, be clean, remove your ugly deeds from my sight. Put an end to such evil. Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Right? Again, that tension. They're living in the present time of judgment, and yet here in Isaiah 2, 1 through 5, Isaiah is painting uh, a hopeful picture of restoration, of redemption. The now and not yet. Right? And that's true for us, right? We hope, we believe, we have faith, and yet we live also in the reality that life is hard, that things aren't good, that all around us people are suffering. So how do we, how do we live in that tension And I think that's what it means to be faithful people, right? That we have um, a realistic hold on self-awareness, right? A self-awareness of ourselves and awareness of the world around us. Like, we're real, right? We're grounded. We're not like, oh, we're going to sing our songs in this separate place over here and just avoid the pains of the world. Just go away from it. Right? We know what's going on. And yet, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the waves, we hold, we cling to truth. And we cling to the reality that at the end, 
Christ is victorious. In the end, he will make all things new. In the end, every tongue, tribe, and nation will come and worship before the Lord. So as we're living, trying to be a multicultural, multi-ethnic, diverse community, and sometimes our cultures run up against each other, right? Or our communication styles or our language run up against each other. Or the smell of our food at potluck, they run up against each other. Like, I'm not used to that garlic, right? While other people are like, I eat, I, I eat garlic whole, I take bites out of garlic, right? All this stuff is in conflict, right? We still, we know that even when it's hard to be together, it's much easier to be in a church or have friends of people who share the same beliefs, eat the same food, worship the same way, right? Have the same background, vote the same way. It's much easier to be in a church like that or in a community like that than where there's conflict and differences and, and hard stuff. But we do that, why? Because we're masochistic, like we just like to punish ourselves? No. We do that because that's the vision. That's God's heaven, that's God's kingdom in the end, right? And that's the vision that Isaiah is, is presenting here, right? The world is like this, but in God, it will and it can be like this. Are you with me, church? What is the vision? The people of all nations streaming like rivers to the temple, to Zion, to the mountain of the Lord. All the nations will come. All the world will stream to the temple to receive life, to receive God's instructions. God will judge between the nations and be the arbiter for justice. Let us live in the tension of hope. We aren't naive, happy people, but aware, joyful people. The tension of hope and anticipation, right? There's tension there as we hope while we live in the reality of a violent, warring, starving, sick world. And the final piece in verse 5, Isaiah sees, writes, says, come house of Jacob, let's walk by the Lord's light. Basically, what, it's kind of like what you read in Paul in Ephesians, walk, right, in a manner worthy of your calling, walk in the light of Christ, walk by the Lord's light in the midst of everything the world, and even when you're discouraged and you're like, ah, pessimistic, cynical, walk in this vision, in the vision of this Zion, in the vision that Isaiah is painting here. Walk in the Lord's light. Walk as if this vision is a reality, can be a reality, will be a reality, right? People are fighting, walk as ambassadors of peace. Right? People are in conflict. Be a peacemaker. Be reconcilers. People 
are violent, people are selfish, be generous, giving, and peaceful. You know, during Advent, we'll talk a lot about the names of Jesus, right? He's the Prince of Peace. The King is coming to bring peace on earth, right? What does that mean, peace? What is this peace? Um, you'll read uh, almost the same exact passage in Micah as this Isaiah 2 <clears throat> passage. But one of the, you know, the famous kind of images or verses here, then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools, right? So these weapons of war, these tools of violence will be changed and transformed into plows, into agricultural, like gardening and farming and building up community, um, this transformation. And that, that's the transformation that happens um, when God is at work in a place. And it says they will no longer even train, learn how to make war because they're training in the ways of the Lord and his teachings. So when we train in the way of the Lord, we, don't, we no longer even have to learn how to make war. Right? We become people of peace. And that's what it means to let's walk by the Lord's light. Even though it's so easy to jump into the fight, we will live a different way. We will present a different vision. We will, we will turn our swords into plowshares. We will turn our spears into pruning tools. We will be people of peace and reconciliation. Are you with me, church? Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you that you are a strong, forgiving patient, compassionate God um, that is in control, that is working to bring uh, new things out of death, bringing life out of death, um, bringing renewal out of brokenness, bringing peace out of violence and war, uh, working to restore the relationships um, in this world and around us. And you're calling us as your covenant people um, to walk in that light, to walk in your light and to be clothed uh, in peace as you're clothed. Forgive us for the ways that we are backseat drivers, that we don't trust in your authority and power and think our ways are greater than your ways and that we can do it better or, or that you, won't, you are powerless to change things around us. Help us to trust in you. And when it's hard to continue to live in your truth and in your light, um, because out of, out of hope and faith, grounded um, in who you are, Jesus Christ, and what you've done for us. In your name we pray, amen.